listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. We miss you. We wish we were all together, but however you are joining with us now or uh, if you're watching this later in the week, we are so glad you're here. It won't be too long, I believe, and I believe we will be able to come together again and we will, we will be able to sing together and worship together. Just know uh, we miss you. Um, we are, we are <laughs> like you, we're just sick of this and <laughs> like you, we're considering sending our children to China and uh, <laughs> we will come through this all together. We love you. Um, I hope all of the people who have lost loved ones during the last uh, six, seven weeks have been in your prayers. As people of prayer, we want to be uh, remembering those families who have lost loved ones, uh, those people who have last, lost jobs, those people who have had their careers change, their businesses go under. There's a lot of pain right now. Um, over 60,000 Americans have passed away. Uh, in the last six, seven weeks, and we want to be prayerful of them. Uh, if you have a need uh, in your family, a need uh, directly um, as far as your circumstances, um, we are doing another uh, food giveaway and food drive this week. And if you know of someone or if you have needs, please reach out to us. You can go right to the website, reach out to us there, or if you have connections in our church. Um, please consider sending any names you know. Uh, we want to minister to our community uh, as, as, as best as we can. We don't, of course, we can't do everything we would like to do, but we really do want to help. So feel free to do that. Uh, so let's get into the word of the Lord together. We are on week three of a series I've been doing called Blessed, or as we say on social media, hashtag blessed. And we've been looking at the nature of blessing in the word of the Lord. Uh, the, what does it mean to be blessed of God? What does it mean to be uh, favored? Uh, what does it mean to have divine favor upon your life? And so we've been looking at the stories of the patriarchs and going through them. And I, before I get too deep into this, I just want to point out that there are so many lessons in the transfer from one generation to another that's shown to us in the lives and the families of the patriarchs. If you look at the stories from Abraham to Isaac, what you really see, among many other things, what you really see, uh, the, the, the heart of the matter, so to speak, um, is the nature of promise and the nature of, of faith. This is what you see in the transfer between Abraham and Isaac, uh, the nature of promise and the nature of faith. Now, between the generational transfer between Isaac and Jacob, this contest of wills that happens uh, between Esau and Jacob, uh, there's a different, a somewhat different lesson here. Now, all of the truths that happened earlier are on display. Um, there's just an additional, um, uh, shall we say, uh, unveiling of understanding. And, and that really is the issue of the birthright, the issue of divine favor, the issue of God's blessing. So if in the transition from Abraham to Isaac, we see the nature of promise and the nature of faith, 
between Isaac and Jacob, we truly begin to see the nature of uh, of favor, the nature of blessing. What does it mean to be blessed of God? In week one of our of our series here, and I, I should say that I've made my notes available on the website just as I used to do. I quit doing it for a while in all of the distraction of this remote uh, church service experience. Um, but now I've made this week at some of you guys' instigation and approbation of me not doing it anymore. Um, I've made it available for you. So week one, we tried to see blessing from the perspective of God. Now we know, looking at the life of Abraham, what was in it for Abraham. Yes, it's obvious he would like those promises. Any man of his generation would love those promises. But what was in it for God? What was in it for God? Remember, we serve God. God does not serve us. So what was in it for God? In week number two, we started looking at the lives, the comparative lives of Jacob and Esau. And we began to uh, see how thinking of God's blessing as a a zero-sum game, or what I mean by that is thinking of God's blessing as a fixed amount, where if I get more, that means you get less. Thinking of God's blessing as though God is limited, and when I succeed, you fail, or my blessing comes at your expense, or my healing comes at the price of your sickness. Thinking of blessing this way always will put us at each other's throats. We as believers will all always seek to compete one with another. We will seek to be blessed at the expense of others, and it really creates a dysfunctional family of God. That is exactly, that is exactly what you see in the lives of Esau and Jacob, but not just that. You see it in the relationship of Isaac uh, and his wife, Rebekah, where Rebekah sides with Jacob to deceive Isaac so the blessing will not go through Esau but through Jacob. Do you see the, the essential dysfunction that is in this kind of a view of God? Um, unfortunately, there are people who see God this way. Unfortunately, there are churches who see God this way and they will, they will in, in, in a spiritual sense, try to take that which is uh, a goodness to another person in some type of an unspoken belief that uh, it hurts it hurts them. That's not how we want to live. I want to believe that when you're blessed, I'm blessed. Why? Because we are all one body in Christ Jesus. Do you see? I want to believe that when you are honored, I am honored. And if you're honoring is notable. It doesn't mean there's less for for me. I want to rejoice with them that rejoice. I want to mourn with them mourn. Why? Because we are flesh and blood spiritually joined together in the body the body of Christ. Now, week three, we're going further into this idea of what does it mean to be to be blessed. And it's not as simple as I have more than my neighbor. Let me say that again. What is the nature of divine blessing? What is the kernel of it? What is the, the essence of divine blessing? Does that simply mean my house is bigger than yours? Does it mean your car is nicer than mine? What, what does it mean to have divine 
find favor in our life. And I want to go deep into this because I think this is one of the most consistent mistakes that trip people up as they seek God's direction, God's favor, and God's blessing in their life. So let's all agree we want to be blessed. Yes? Let's all agree we want to have God's favor upon us. Yes? Let's all agree that God knows exactly how to give you what you need and what you want, right? Let's all agree that God has, as the Old Testament writers would say, the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Let's all agree that um, the best lotteries that could ever be are the one that God would hold, (laughs) and his giving to us is not the gifts of sorrow, but it is gifts of life and blessing and favor. Um, This really is what Jacob is desiring. He is hungry for uh, the blessing of God, and he decides to go after it at any cost. I want you to see, he decides to pursue favor at any cost. He pursues it so much that he will, if, if lying is the way he thinks to get it, he's willing to lie. If cheating someone is the way to get it, he's willing to cheat someone because he views God's favor as some type of a superstitious possession, as though God is able to be fooled, as though God is able to be tricked, as though God doesn't see through our lies and see through our games and see through our errors, and he pursues it as though God is some type of a formulistic blessing machine and when you have it you have it and at any cost you should pursue it now this is so interesting because this story of Esau and Jacob is going to show you the essence of divine favor and divine blessing so let's get into the story here Um, ask yourself this question after Jacob has tricked his father And after he has tricked his brother, what does he do? Well, he flees for his life. So there is a fair question that should be asked. Who inherits the wealth of their father, Isaac? Who inherits the herds of their father, Isaac? Who inherits... The, 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 the servants, the families that are uh, embedded in the life of the patriarch. Who inherits the wealth of Isaac? Is it Jacob? Well, it can't be Jacob. Why? He flees for his life, taking only what he can carry upon his back. If Jacob doesn't inherit it, who does? Well, maybe you think Jacob inherits it later. Maybe later Jacob inherits the wealth of his father. But if you read the story, that's not what happens. When Isaac, uh, excuse me, when Jacob and Isaac come together later on, it's not Esau Uh, Let me get my words right here. When Jacob and Esau meet later, it's not Esau saying, look, you know, I, I held your part of the inheritance here. Let me give it to you. No, that's not what happens. Jacob is giving offerings to Esau, not Esau to Jacob. I want you to understand the nature of God's blessing. I want you to see the nature of God's favor. I don't want us to have a simplistic worldly view of divine blessing. When they come together, they're meeting 
meeting does not go like some type of an executor, uh, the meeting of a, the execute of, of someone's will where this is yours and this is yours. No, Jacob shows up and he's the one giving blessing. He's the one bowing and asking to be accepted, not Esau. He's the one telling his family to call Esau my Lord, not Esau calling him my Lord. Jacob is the one telling his family to refer to, es- to, refer to him, Jacob, as Esau's servant. Jacob is the one bringing gifts. Esau gives Jacob nothing but forgiveness. I hope your mind is turning right now and you're thinking, okay, what is, what is God's blessing then? Um, if, it's not, if it's not what I thought it was, what is it? Here's the error. Most people say they want God's blessing because they think God's blessing will give them more of this world, not less of this world. And they pray for a blessing because what they want is houses and lands. And they think God is the way to have more of this world. Do you see? This is the error of the carnal flesh, gaming God, using God to get more of what they really want, which is the things of this world. Here is a reality. Now, I'm going to give you the nutshell of it now, and then I'm going to come back to it as I preach through this story. This is the reality. God will give you all the blessings of this world, but not first. That's not the point of it. He will only give it to you you after you've given yourself to him I want you to see the point is not you using God to get more of this world the point is you giving yourself to God and God giving you the things of this world because they're not that important sure he'll let you have them too I want you to see this scripture Matthew 6 and verse number 33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added to you. Do you see what just happened there? The things of this life are also rams. They are just something else along the way. They're not the point. What is the point? To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is what God is doing in the earth and his righteousness is to understand his heart. I want to know what God is doing in the earth and I want his heart to dwell in me. Oh, by the way, God loves to bless his children. By the way, God loves to give you and bless you and keep you and heal you. But that can never be the point of God's blessing. All right, now I've given you the nutshell. Stay with me a little while longer. How, uh, how do we know, how do we show God that we are seeking him first. Well, there are, uh, there, there are the choices of our life. There is the, the order of our days and the reality that you cannot trick God into thinking you want more of him, but what you really want is more of this world. Uh, in fact, um, the point of uh, offerings and tithes and giving is a revealing of our heart of what we really want. And the Bible shows us this again and again, this principle of first fruits, where it is the first fruit that reveal 
what you really want. So in the house of Israel, through all their generations, the first of every blessing, they would take it to the house of the Lord and give it as a sign that everything is the Lord's. It is all the Lord's. Um, and I give him the first fruits. And in so doing, uh, he gives me everything that remains. And so I, as a pastor in the last few weeks of this odd time, I've had a lot of conversations with other pastors who um, were uh, fearful. And I myself have at times had uh, the same type of feeling as what's going to happen to the church you know are people just going to fade away if people get out of the habit of going to church is the is, is the church going to get cut in half uh, what's going to happen to the church and um, the Lord reminded me one day that people may come to church because their friends do and they may enjoy the worship service because their friends do but they don't pay tithes because their friends do <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're laughing wherever you're seeing this. You might go to church so you can, you know, flirt with that girl you like. Um, you might go to church because you have some friends there and you want to go eat afterward. You see what I'm saying? You might attend the fringes of the church because, uh, you know, yeah, you have friends there. But you don't pay tithes because your friends pay tithes. First fruits reveals the nature of your heart and what it is you are seeking. And so once I had that reminder in the spirit I told every pastor I talked to look you want to know who's going to make it through any trial the people who offer first fruits to God because what they're showing to God every single time is they want God's blessing on the whole of their life this is not just a hobby to them it's not just a habit to them and this church has seen that I as a pastor have seen that through the faithfulness of your giving and your support of this church we only had one month where we had to make financial changes as far as, as our staff and our payroll. And I, I, I did that myself. I didn't ask the others to do that, my, myself and my mom and dad. Um, I, I, I just want you to know since it's your money. And then I realized that we were going to be okay. How did I know that? Because of your faithfulness. You weren't just coming because someone else was coming. It was in your heart. This is how we show God that we want his types of of blessing, not just blessing at any cost. So I have a question for Jacob that I would like to ask rhetorically of him today. Jacob, why are you seeking God's blessing? Jacob, why this obsession with God's blessing? Your brother has impressed the whole of the household with his prowess as a hunter, as a warrior. He's a man's man. And while he was in the field impressing everyone, you you were dreaming of divine blessing. You were scheming for a heavenly birthright. A birthright that would be of God, not simply of this world. You wanted it so bad, you schemed, Jacob. You wanted it so bad, you lied. And then caught out. You fled. You fled rather than staying around to see if your plan had worked. Jacob What's the point of the plan if you don't stay to live it out? You risked everything and seemingly lost your bet. And from there you went to a land far away, Goshen. And you uh, married into a family that was trickier than you are. You married into a family that lied a little bit better than you do. 
you discovered not just the side of scheming where you do unto others. You discovered the side where others do unto you. And all of this is built upon a heart that craves the blessing of God. Here you are, Jacob, far away, banished, can't even receive the inheritance of your father. The only thing you could take was the memory of a day that he laid his hand on you and spoke blessing upon you. Is this what you were thinking of, Jacob? Was this your plan? Hiding in a foreign land, making sure your father-in-law doesn't get into your wallet? Is this what you had in mind, Jacob, when you, your heart desired the blessing of God above everything else? There comes a day where he can't stay in Goshen because his in-laws hate him as much as his brother do, his does. And um, he goes to the Lord and uh, the Lord tells him it's time to go home. Now this is terrifying to Jacob because uh, what that really means is code is it's time to face the music for what you've done. It's time for you to reap the crop that you sowed back home. But Jacob, if you want to be God's man, you have to be willing to go to God's place. And that place may cost you something. That place may terrify you. That place may scare you. But you want to be God's man, you've got to get in God's place. It's time to face the music. Genesis 31, verse number three, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Jacob's thinking, oh my, oh me, what now? I've cheated and I've lied and it's time to face the music. I've been able to kind of mislead people about who I am as long as I'm not where everyone knows me. As long as I can, you know, market myself. As long as I can fake it till I make it, I'm okay. Uh, But now I have to face the music of who I really am. All of us, if you walk long enough on this road of faith, you're going to have to face the music as to who you are. And you're going to have to fall upon mercy. I said, you're going to have to fall upon mercy. There is no way to make it in this journey of faith without casting yourself headlong upon this rock and being broken by that rock. Because if you don't, then the rock's going to fall on you and you will be crushed by it. Jacob sends messengers to his brother, verse number six. And he takes precaution. He divides his household into two groups and uh, the messengers come back from his, uh, come back from Esau, and they 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 say to him, "Yeah, he's coming to meet you." They don't say, "Oh, yeah, he forgives you." They say, "Yeah, he's coming to meet you." And by the way, he's bringing four hundred men with him. Gulp. Now, why do you show up with an army? That's really only two reasons to show up with an army. Number one, you want to use it, or number two. You don't trust the people you're meeting. Do you see? Jacob is facing the music of who he is. It's time to accept the path he has walked and the choices he has made. He's done everything he can do, but he has no army to bring. He's taken precaution. He's divided his family. Imagine the difficulty of that. Imagine deciding which half of your family you were going to save. Imagine it. It's terrifying. And he uh, has one night before he meets Esau. And there by a brook called Javik, which interestingly enough in the, in the original language literally means a pouring out. 
there by this river of pouring out, Jacob is going to pour himself out to God. And he is going to face his fears and he's going to face the kind of man that he is. He can no longer run from his actions. He has to face them. And there in the darkness, the deep darkness of this wilderness where the stars are so bright overhead and he is filled with the terror and fear of what the mar- the tomorrow may bring out of nowhere, seemingly without any provocation, without any announcement, a mighty man leaps upon him and wraps his arms around Jacob, binding him. Imagine the surge of adrenaline. Imagine the surge of fear and terror when you thought you were alone and out of nowhere a mighty man leaps upon you. And they wrestle and they fall and they wrestle and they fall. They wrestle on the ground and there's this great, great terror and fear that is roaring through Jacob. Who is this man who would attack him without provocation? Is it Esau? Did Esau slip forward through the darkness? But why? That makes no sense. Does this man want to kill him? Why didn't he just stab him if he wanted to kill him? He surely has weapons. No one travels in a wilderness like this without weapons, whether to protect or whether to provide. When you hunt, you've got to have weapons. Why would a man just leap upon me and wrestle with me? And in the blind, in the the blindness and the groping and the straining and the panning, is it a robber? Does this person want to take something from me? If he's not here to kill me and he's not here to steal from me, why? Soon Jacob realizes that uh, there's something else happening here because nothing makes sense. They wrestle in the darkness and perhaps what Jacob lacks in athleticism, he makes up for in sheer will and they fight and they fight. And in the beginning of this fight, there's something that's interesting that is happening that I want you to see. If you want to understand the nature of God's blessing in our lives, in the beginning, the mighty man is holding on to Jacob and they fight and they fight and Jacob doesn't know what's going on and he's trying to get away and he's wrestling and he's fighting and he begins to have not understanding but somewhat more understanding than he had because in the middle of the fight the Bible gives us this image of this this angel this shall we say a theophany a a theophany is an ecclesiastical word a churchy word uh, when God in the Old Testament took on human form to represent himself and that, that's what we mean by a theophany, a representation of God in the form of a person, an angel, a man, something like that. And that is what is happening to, to, um, in this moment where Jacob is wrestling with the angel of the Lord or the theophany of the Lord. And this angel touches Jacob's hip and this hip explodes in its socket. Now, uh, interestingly, the Bible specifically uses the word touch. It doesn't use the word. There are, there are perfect, perfect words in uh, the original language for striking. There are words for kicking. There are words for all of these kind of things that denote violence. This is not a word of violence. This is a word of touch. The angel touches the hip and the hip explodes. Now, if you ever, if you ever wrestled... Uh, 
um, if you've ever uh, perhaps maybe wrestled with your friends um, or your brothers and sisters or maybe wrestled in high school or college or you've done anything like that, you know that the strongest motion on the human body is the hinge of our hips. Our, and there's no other joint motion in our body anywhere near as strong as the hinge of our hips. The ability of you to your strength to hinge your hips is about twice as much as any other movement in your body. That is why if you looked at, say, powerlifting records, um, you will notice that the absolute strongest movements in all of human strength come from some motion that is the hinge of the hips. Uh, that is taken away at a touch, do you see? The strongest ability that Jacob has to fight is taken away at a touch. Who is this man who can take my strength with a touch? Do you see? Who is this one who can hold on to me when I don't want to be held and at the touch of his hand can take my greatest strength from me? Now the image changes. I want you to see something. I want you to see something. The angel is no longer holding on to, I, uh, to Jacob. But now Jacob is holding on to the angel. Do you want to understand something about the nature of God's working with humanity? This is the image you need to see. And so now, as the sky begins to gray, as the sky begins to gray, dawn begins to reveal it's coming quickly. And the angel of the Lord speaks to Jacob and says the first words of the battle. And he says, let me go because the day is coming. Let me go. Dawn is coming. Let me go. The night is over now. <clears throat> What kind of a man is this that only wants to fight you in the dark? That makes no sense. When have you ever heard of someone calling off a fight when the lights came on? It doesn't make any sense. Who is, what is the nature of this being that I can, I, he can't be here when the sun comes up. And I believe it's at this moment that Jacob discovers and discerns the sheer divinity of this moment. Because if the sun comes up and the Lord is still here, I cannot live. And he needs to leave so I can survive. He's already taken my strength. And the sun's coming up. And if I see him with my eyes, I cannot see him and live. And Jacob, I believe at this moment, understands he's not wrestling with a stranger. He's wrestling with God because his request changes. And at this moment, what does he say? Oh, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. My whole life, I've longed for blessing. My whole life, I've longed for the touch of God. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it is... Uh, I don't know what the nature of it is. All I know is I don't want a life of the flesh. I don't want a life lived down here on this mud ball and say that's enough. I don't want to just have money in the bank and say that's enough. I don't want to just have a trip planned for the summer and say that's enough. No, this isn't enough. I don't always know what it is, but I crave God's favor in my life. I don't always know what it's going to look like, but I crave God's favor in my life and I've fought with you I've wrestled with you I've done it my way 
day. You took what I needed to be strong. And now you're going to leave me here? Now that I'm defeated, you're going to disappear into the dawn? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) I'm not letting go until you bless me. Remember, the nutshell of the story is what is the nature of God's favor and what is the path to God's blessing. The story of Abraham and Isaac has been about the nature of promise and the nature of faith, but the story of Isaac and Jacob is the nature of favor and the nature of divine blessing. I will not let you go until you bless me. And what happens in this darkness, the shadow as the dawn threatens on the horizon. What happens? The angel who does not need to be held, but is allowing himself to be held has a question. And this is the question. What is your name? I want you to see what's happening here. Jacob, his whole life has wanted to be blessed. His whole life, he's craved God's favor. He's done everything wrong trying to get one thing right. Sound familiar? Why, that sounds a little bit like the rest of us, doesn't it? He's made every mistake there is trying to get one thing in his life right. And now, here he is. Here he is wrestling with God. Here he is striving with God. Even after he's been defeated, even after his strength is gone, all he has left is the sheer desperation of his desire to be blessed of God and what God wants to know watch this don't miss this is not what's your birth order are you the one who's supposed to get it no that's a tradition of the tribes that are around them God doesn't want to know how much money do you have God's not God wants to know one thing who are you who are you? You see, we think, oh, I hope you hear me today. I wish you were all here and I could preach it really good because I want you to get this. We think God's favor is about possession and God's favor is about transformation. What's your name, Jacob? Jacob has to admit that this moment is rather uh, telling because his name is Jacob. He's a heel grabber. He's a striver. He's, a, he's, the, he's a, an ankle biter, so to speak. And uh, surely God wouldn't bless someone with a name like Jacob. Surely God wouldn't bless someone who will do anything to get what he wants, who will lie and cheat. And, and, and Jacob prays. <clears throat> Just just the, the night before, he's praised, God, save me. You can read it in the text. He prays to God. He says, God, save me. I am afraid. God doesn't save someone with a name like that. And the story seems so strange because the one who has been promised blessing has been given the reality of its opposite. And now, having been defeated by God, having come to the end of his plan for how God will serve him, having lost everything he thinks that matters in terms of possession, in terms of strength, God wants to know one thing from him, and that is this, what is your name? My name is Jacob, and the angel of the Lord says to him, your name will no longer be Jacob, but 
Israel because you have struggled with God and men and have overcome. Hear me. God's blessing isn't about birth order. God's blessing isn't about birthright. It's not about who has the biggest armies. The best of our armies make the army of heaven laugh out loud. God's blessing is about the transformation of your nature. God's blessing is not about you moving him. It's about him moving you. It's not about you changing him. It's about him chasing changing you and that transformation is so powerful that once it happens in your life that he'll give you everything else that you might desire or long for because those things were never the point the point was always what God was going to do for you as our musicians come I want to finish today by pointing out something in the text that is profoundly interesting to me God changes Jacob's name to Israel but the name Israel doesn't mean Man strives. The name Israel doesn't mean Jacob strives. It doesn't even mean that Jacob struggled and won. Yes, that is the why. But here is what the name Israel means. Israel literally means God strives. Do you see? Israel literally means God struggles. What's God's struggle? You ready for this? Well, me and you. And God's struggle is to work with those upon whom he has cast his love. Yes, God will bless us beyond our wild imaginings. God will gift us beyond our wildest expectations. But what he's trying to do in you is much more important than bless your bank account Or get you a new car or a new house. What God is doing in you is spiritual transformation that through you might come the Savior of the world. And that through you might come the blessing that will go to all peoples and all tribes and all nations. You feel like you're struggling? You're not the only one. You're struggling with God? You're not the only one. Honey, God is struggling with you. But he hasn't given up. And God is not just overcoming you. He's struggling with you. He's patient with you. Why does God wrestle with us? Because he needs to break our will without violating our will. I said he needs to break our will without violating our will. And so he handicaps us. And he puts us in seasons of suffering. Yes, you can't read the Bible and read it any other way. God allows us to go through the valley of the shadow of death. God allows us to hurt and cry. But he does not leave us in the valley of the shadow of death. And he does not leave us in our tears. And one of the strange things that happens is after you've come through your valleys. And after you've fought through your tears. There's greater joy on tomorrow. Because the real issue. The real issue. Is spiritual blessing. Not worldly possession the real issue is spiritual becoming not worldly possession and if you want the things of God and if you are willing to keep striving I promise you in the same manner that you don't give up God doesn't give up I want to speak to those of you wherever you are you feel like you've in many ways failed you're at a certain season of your life and you look back 
to prayer requests you had, say, in your 20s or in your teens, and you find here you are still struggling with some of the same things you struggled with then, and there's a frustration in you, and there's this whisper of hell that says you ought to just give up. You're, you're not going to conquer this. You feel as though you are wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, and you just can't quite get it right. I want to say to you, first of, first of all, you're not alone. I could take a, a survey of everybody in our leadership team, and I promise you they would feel very sympathetic to you more. I could take a survey of all my pastor friends, and I promise you they would feel very sympathetic to you and more. I could take a survey of all of our elders, and I promise you they would be very sympathetic to you. But this is the reality I want you to see. You're not just holding on to God. (laughs) God is holding on to you. You're not just wrestling with God. God is wrestling with you. And He's going to place His name upon you. He's going to give you His image and His character. And His blessing in your life is not going to be about possession. Sure, His blessings are beyond understanding. But that's not what it's about. His blessing upon you is is about spiritual becoming spiritual transformation in your heart and in your life so that having been transformed through you comes the savior of the world to your world yes jacob will be blessed yes jacob's children and offspring will be blessed but what god was really looking to do in the story is bring about spiritual transformation Where are you at in your life with God? God's still working on you. He's not giving up on you. He's holding on to you. And He's going to change your name. He's going to change your name. Let me read you one scripture. He's going to change your name. Revelations chapter number 3 verse number 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God. Do you see? I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Transformation is real and it's coming for you. All across this metro, wherever you are, bow your heads right in your living room. If you're sitting there with your family, your kids, if you want to take each other's hands, however you'd like to create a a moment of, of spiritual focus and spiritual attention, I'd like us to pray together right now. Would you join with me? Lord Jesus, we want to be made in your image. Not just in the sense of our creation, but in the sense of our spiritual becoming. We want to reflect your heart to the world in which we have been placed. And Lord, if we are transformed, sure we'll have blessings. But the people to whom we sent will be included in the blessing, not excluded. But if we make blessing about what we have, then blessing ends with us because there is no transformation. And we are not a blessing to our generation. You transform us so that we might be a blessing to all the people of the earth, to all the people 
of our community. We seek spiritual transformation. And then the blessings we are given are not just for us, but we are a blessing to the world. That's the story you show us in the zealous pursuit by Jacob of anointing and favor. Let it live within us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In reminder, remember the scripture I read that I told you we were going to come back to? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what he's doing. And his righteousness. What is that? That's transformation. And having perceived what he's doing and having been transformed, he'll give us all the desires of our heart. That's the message I'm preaching you to you today. Right where you're sitting, take some moments, reflect upon what God is doing in your life. Lift your, lift your hearts and your hands in worship. Our praise team is going to lead us. We love you. We miss you. We'll Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.